Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back to How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything. And bonjour, new listeners. I'm Juleika Lantigua Williams. Today, I'm talking to Irina. Irina is the oldest daughter in an immigrant family. And I can picture many silent nods from all the firstborn, first gens listening. Irina also has a younger brother. And since they were kids, she has played the role of go-between with him, who is more Americanized, and her parents. But now that they're both adults, she's come to resent that role and the toll it takes on her. Let's get into it. My name is Irina Gonzalez, and I am an editor and freelance writer based in Fort Myers, Florida. And in my family, we call my parents mommy and puppy. My mom um, is actually Russian and my dad is Cuban. So, but I was born in Moscow. Uh, you know, my parents met in college and in the 80s. And, you know, when I was eight years old, my parents uh, decided to immigrate us to the United States. So we moved to Miami. Uh, I was eight and my brother at the time was two and a half. So he's a younger sibling. And, you know, things were pretty rocky those first few years. You know, no, none of us knew the language um, or the culture Eventually, when I was about 10 years old, we moved to Southwest Florida. Um, and, you know, I would say that my relationship with my parents was always pretty solid. I was definitely sort of the perfect immigrant daughter. You know, I always got good grades. I always did my chores. Um, I followed their rules and that kind of thing. But my brother definitely had a very different relationship with them. And I have a very good relationship with my brother, he very much grew up in American culture and he's very much like the stereotypical first generation kid. And what I often find myself doing, um, I often find myself being the cultural translator for my parents and my younger brother when it comes to issues of communication. So the biggest thing that I've seen them argue about and that still comes up all the time is that my brother is just not a very good texter and he doesn't really appreciate communicating and being as informative about his life as my parents would prefer. And I think it's a big shock to them still because I have always been a very good communicator and I'm always in touch with them. Um, you know, I always text with them back uh, when I was in college and I, and I went to college in New York. So, you know, it was like 1500 miles away, but you know, I called them every single day. And when my brother went to college, that was definitely not the case. You know, I often have to say, well, you know, it's just different here. Like none of my other like, quote unquote, American friends really talk to their parents every day or text them back every single day. You know, I my husband, who's American, you know, he's I'm lucky if he like calls his dad once every three weeks. You know, I'm often struggling because I will hear from my parents, you know, every once in a while, like, why hasn't he texted us back? And at this point, he's almost 29 years old. He's got his own life. And he just that's just not how he communicates. I've kind of gotten to a place where I really just try to I almost like educate my parents about the issue because I, you know, he's, I just don't think it's going to change. You know, it's just not who he is. It's not how he grew up. It's not what he's used to. Um, and I think that a lot of their frustrations can be solved by being a little bit more lenient and, um, you know, just kind of accepting that that's just how he communicates and that that's okay. Um, you know, my brother does have some depression issues, but he takes medication. And I think that 
there is a little bit of a behavior issue on his part, but I think that honestly they worry excessively um, because he's sort of like the baby of the family and he's the boy of the family and that kind of stuff. Um, so I do talk to my brother about how I am, you know, frustrated sometimes about how I'm put in the middle between, you know, his and my parents' communication issues. He tends to kind of excuse it. You know, he'll say, well, yeah, like I'll text him back. What often comes up for me at this point is that, you know, I have my own life and I have a husband and a baby and, you know, pets and work. And, you know, when I'm kind of like stuck in the middle in this way, I have to like communicate to both sides. And and sometimes I get very frustrated and I just, you know, have to say like, you know what, like, take me out of this. Like, I can't be in this conversation right now. I do often find that being the cultural translator between my brother and my parents can be extremely frustrating and impactful to my relationships. Um, You know, it can be almost a little bit hurtful when, let's say, I'm talking to my dad about something going on in my life. And all of a sudden he's like, your brother hasn't texted me back. And, you know, my dad will spend like the next five minutes kind of like really just saying like, well, why? Why is he like this? And every time I just have to say like, he just is. On the one hand, I feel like they're paying less attention to me and probably because they have less reason to worry with me because I because I have always been the dependable one. Um, you know, and with my brother, I have to get I literally have to get a hold of him just to be like, can you just answer them? Like, you know, and, and that can be frustrating in itself because I'm not his mother. And, you know, I, I think that as often happens in Latino families, like I did because I grew up like an older, the first child and I was a girl, I did very much have a mothering relationship with him. Um, You know, looking back now, I can see all of the things that led to this like overwhelming anxiety that I have, which is, you know, very, very largely based in expectations and in like wanting everything to be perfect and like doing everything for my parents. And so, you know, that impacts my health now. I mean, I still have anxiety. I take medication for it. And you know, I think that when they're frustrated with my brother and I can't do anything about it, that really heightens my anxiety too, because I can't help them. And so much of my relationship with them is based on like wanting to please them. I think going forward, what I would really like to say to my brother and my parents is that I want to have a relationship with all of them that is based on me and who I am and not so much on what I can provide to them. I I want it to be a little bit more focused on, you know, the moment and less on their worrying about what's going on in his life. Um, I don't know if I see it happening anytime soon, Um, you know, and and that's very difficult for my own mental health, too. As the oldest child in my family, I feel for Irina. It's a role we were accidentally born into, but never seemed to get out of. And even if we love all the perks of being first... Sometimes lines get crossed that leave us feeling burdened and unloved. Not surprisingly, though, we're the ones that have to take the lead in changing this also. To help us out, I called in an expert. Hi, Juleika here, stopping by to tell you about Timestorm. Timestorm is a high adventure podcast for the whole family. When the Ventura twins are yanked into another dimension, they meet a distant cousin who gives them an extraordinary mission to travel through time to witness Puerto Rico's history. They visit three continents across the span of five centuries. But in their own timeline, the twins must navigate school, friendships, and family, all while keeping their time-traveling quests a secret. You can join the twins, Alex and Benny, as they travel in time anywhere you find your favorite podcast or at timestormseries.com. Timestorm is a part of Tracks from PRX. 
Hi, everybody. Juleka here. I'm the host and creator of How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything. And I want to invite you to be on our show. If you're an adult and a child of immigrants from anywhere in the world, I'd love to talk to you about those conversations that are hard but necessary. Things about politics, dating, career, parenting. Seriously, no topic is off limits. Send us an email at hello at talktomommypapi.com and let's get you on the show. That's hello at talktomommypapi.com. See you soon. Hi, everybody. I'm Julie Calantigua, the creator and executive producer of How to Talk to High Achievers About Anything. And I'd like to invite you to be a guest on the show. Every episode, we talk to black and brown folks striving to do big things and looking for ways to level up. Licensed psychotherapist Devon Lewis offers feedback about aspirational challenges we all face. Things like imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and especially how we define success. We'd love to hear about your triumphs and where you still trip up sometimes. Send our producer Virginia an email so she can get your story on the show. She's at virginia at lwcstudios.com. My name is Catalina Fortich, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in South Florida. My background is I'm a first-generation Colombian-American, and I was born and raised in South Florida, so I'm a native. You have a lot in common with Irina. When you heard her story, what did, what did you hear? Well, that was first and foremost, how, how many similarities I see that she's also from South Florida, an oldest child, which I am as well. Um, as a family therapist, I, you know, got all my brain juices going because it's, you know, so many concepts of family therapy that are intertwined there in, in what she shared with us. I thought about how she is in this triangle with her parents is what we call it. That's the psychological term that we use in family therapy. This triangle that she obviously has a lot of awareness about how it's impacting her. But awareness doesn't lead to change only. We need other elements for change. So if she's ready for that, she's going to have to get a little bit uncomfortable um, or get comfortable in the discomfort is what we like to say. Tell me about the steps that follow after awareness. So asking yourself questions about how is this triangle that's happened, right? And and I want to first reiterate that triangles are very common in all families. So it's not necessarily a pathologizing term. It's just, it happens. And the way that it, it kind of shows up in our families is that one person in that triangle is not as comfortable with the situation or begins to be more uncomfortable with the situation than the rest of them. It sounds like everybody else unknowingly, right, or unconsciously are perpetuating this cycle because even though she may be the one that has the most awareness and probably the most discomfort with what's happening, the next thing is behavior, right? So creating boundaries and speaking up. And, and sometimes we don't want to, especially if we are the perpetual, dependable, perfect, consistent daughter, then it's hard for us to break away with that role because it, it it's the one we know, right? And, and we don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. It, there's a lot of guilt associated with that behavioral change. But, you know, sometimes we do have to get uncomfortable and speak up and begin to set boundaries. So one of the things that I noticed when I was talking to her was that 
Yes, it definitely um, creates pressure on her to be the conduit between the parents and the brother. But the other thing that it does is it does give her a type of focused attention. And so in the dynamic of this triangle, um, might there be implicit contradictions in the rewards, benefits, costs that each party brings to, to the dynamic? Absolutely. So, you know, there's secondary gains here, right? She's There's a reward to it staying the same. for it, And that's where she has to ask herself, have I come to that point where I'm uncomfortable enough with this to speak up about it? So, you know, for her to be able to assertively state, this is where, uh, this is what I want to talk about. This is important to me. She's going to have to verbalize that. And the thing with, I think a lot of us struggle with just a general thing. It it can be for many reasons. It could be in the Latino culture for women, particularly. um, It's also difficult to assert ourselves, right? So asserting sometimes if we don't have the right definition of it, it may seem like I'm coming off aggressive because I'm making people uncomfortable. But for me, the definition I like to use to kind of reframe what assertiveness is, it's I'm being kind to you and to myself at the same time, where aggression is I'm only kind to myself and not to you, right? So once we reframe that definition of assertiveness, we get more comfortable with and and being aware that I'm not being unkind. I'm being kind to myself and you when I am being assertive. So here's the other thing that um, a lot of the folks that come on the show talk about, which is this idea of absolute respect and how anytime a first gen child questions, interrogates, suggests an alternative, suggests advice, it is almost immediately met with this, oh, you just don't respect me or you must respect me. So how can someone in Irina's position anticipate that response of, oh, you just don't respect me or that's disrespectful? Yeah. So that's a huge topic for me. I work with a lot of Latinos and Uh, With my teens, I actually call it um, parent crack. (laughs) So it's like, it's almost like, you know, they, they live off that. They love that. They can, they can't have enough of that respect, but we got to remember their background, right? Where they came from are these collectivistic cultures that they come from where the collective or the community or the family in this case is more important than your individual needs. So if you step out of those norms, then you are being disrespectful, right? But we know that that's not where it's coming from. And they don't know our motive and our intention. Only we know that, right? So you are going to get pushback. You have to normalize the pushback. You have to be okay with ruffling some feathers in this process of change. So what do you say though? To the parent themselves? Yeah, when you're in that moment and you're trying in a respectful, good tone, being cautious of your words, just really putting out how you're feeling and how you see things, and you get back the, well, that's just disrespectful. Yeah. So, you know, you set up the intent and you go in there trying to make sure that the message is relayed in the most respectful possible way and you watch your tone and all that. I like to call it the stroke, stroke, kick. So before you give the kick, 
you're going to stroke a little, right? So, you know, I, I know you have the best intent and I know you care about me. You set it up, right? You you do all the stroking possible. You give the kick and then you stroke a little more. I, I always like to give that, that. That's my little tool because you don't know and can't control for the other person's response. And when you ask yourself, could I have said that any differently, any more respectfully? No, I couldn't have. So that's where you can release your guilt and let what happens or what needs to happen, happen. Okay. So let's talk about the adult here, which might turn our triangle into a square. How does she, Irina, in this instance, approach her brother? He's not really the one putting her in the triangle, though. This is what I see. You know, this is... this is an issue between her and her parents that they keep bringing her into brothers doing his thing. Right. So the triangle is all about anxiety. So the parents are anxious about brother, not kind of falling into place with how the things need to go. Right. So they're trying to pull him in. It's not working. So they'd go to her hoping that she'll pull him in and she's not pulling. And to some extent she's trying, but brother's holding strong to his boundaries. Right. So she needs to set the boundary with parents and even kind of maybe possibly direct them and be like, you know what, this sounds like a good conversation that you and he need to have. So almost directing them to be like, you need to go directly and talk to them because the way the triangle works is as long as she's in that cycle, then she's always going to be leaned on to kind of disperse the anxiety. But if she tells them, hey, you guys need to deal with it together on your own or even tell brother, maybe it's time you called mom and dad and explain to them why you don't want to call them or why you can't call them because I'm not available for that anymore. So she's aware definitely that this has some implied risk in terms of her emotional and social relationship with her parents. But what should she be prepared to lose in this instance? Or what should she be prepared to give up or seriously modify in that dynamic so that she can get herself out of this triangle? I think the fear of loss is what's keeping the triangle going and this cycle going, right? So your parents love you, right? So, and it sounds like she has a beautiful relationship with them. They're, the fear of them disconnecting, the fear of possible guilt, the fear of whatever may be lost might not be a real loss, might not really happen. It, it might be a perceived loss or risk of what's happening. They might just be uncomfortable for a little bit. She will never know until she tries it. You know, it's important to understand that this happens often in family dynamics. I don't think it's about blame. I think we can get lost a little bit in the anger and in the blaming when we when we realize, hey, I'm being pulled into this and the resentment and all that. Once we shift our focus to, okay, so this is the problem. What's the solution here? What can I do? What do I have control of? And I really only have control of how I respond, my role, and what can I do differently? So asking yourself some questions of like, how do I perpetuate this cycle Who's benefiting from this? Who's not benefiting? In this case, it's her. And since I'm not benefiting from this anymore, how can I begin to disrupt this cycle? Because change is hard. Change is very hard. And in a family system that, you know, if you're 40 years old, you've been in that system for 40 years, right? The only way we can really disrupt that is looking at our own role in that and kind of taking inventory of what I can change about that. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. You're so welcome. 
All right, let's recap what we learned from Catalina. Identify your triangle. Step back and take a look at the roles you and your parents are playing in a hurtful dynamic. Everyone is contributing and perpetuating it, so name it. Understand the hidden rewards. What are you and what is everyone else getting out of behaving in the same ways, ways that can be hurtful? Comfort, attention, avoiding conflict? Name it so you can change it. Drop it. Just give up the role you always play and allow others to adjust accordingly. And most importantly, be okay with the results. Prepare for pushback. Stand your ground and wait out the discomfort. Stroke, stroke, kick. I love this one. Be respectful in your tone and prepare the weight gently if you need to, but say what you need to say. And remember, let go of the guilt. It's useless. You cannot control other people's behavior or their point of view. So focus your energy on the changes you can make. Have I thanked you enough for listening? I hope I have. Thank you. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of Lantigua Williams & Co. Virginia Lora produced this episode. Carolina Rodriguez mixed it. Micaela Rodriguez is our founding producer and social media editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you want to be on the show, hit us up at hello at talktomommypoppy.com. Bye, everybody. Same place next week.